Our Old Testament reading is from Exodus chapter 16. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instructions or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gathered on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you shall know it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaint against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning because the Lord has heard the complaint that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites and say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading comes from Mark chapter six. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried on there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups in the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed them and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them. And all ate and were filled and they looked 
they took up 12 baskets of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Good morning. It is a joy to be with you. Let's pray together, shall we? God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to be together in this place. We thank you for your provision of this building and the people to occupy it. I thank you for the opportunity to reflect on your word and to bring words to my friends. It's a joy to hear and do that work. It's a greater joy for us to hear from you. So would you speak now? Would you take this meager five loaf and two fish message and multiply it for the good of my friends, for the good of this city that you love and we love so dearly too, and for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. Compassion and mercy as a mark of the church, a characteristic, an identifier. When I think of something as a mark of something else, that's what I think of it as. It's something that you see and you say, I know what that is. I know what that represents. When you see compassion and mercy within a group of people, people ought to say that is the church. Kind of like when people see my family name, Kirkarudo. Chris did an amazing job pronouncing it. That's, that's the sign of a true friend to me. Usually people stumble over it and then they say something like this, is that Italian? And my response is yes. I mean, if you're gonna cram that many vowels into one word, it might as well be Italian, right? So my family name is a mark of my Italianness, if you will. And compassion and mercy are a mark of the church's churchness. Actually, even more important than that is that these marks demonstrate our Jesusness. And are those marks consistent with Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus does? You see, if you ask many of my neighbors, who are non-Christians, what are some of the marks of the church? I don't think compassion and mercy make the top five. I'm not here to give you the emo sermon that you all want to hear, but I wanna be honest with you and tell you that usually the marks of the church from those friends of mine, they say judgmental, hypocritical, greedy, and possibly violent. So the work here today and in this series that you guys are walking through is that we do need to name the marks of the church and even more, we need to live them. May the marks that we discuss be the embodied behavior out of a love for God. And the way that I think we're transformed in how we live is by looking at the person and work of Jesus so that our witness our lives, our demonstration of how we live would 
be consistent with Jesus. So this isn't going to be a pull up your bootstraps kind of message, because the reality is none of you are actually wearing boots in the spiritual realm. We're all in great need together. So let's look into what Jesus is doing and saying and how that might encourage us and give us an opportunity. So within that in mind, here's the good news that I want to proclaim to you today. Being with people is the way of Jesus. He's Emmanuel. When Jesus says to the apostles, you give them something to eat, it's not a dismissive rebuke, but a world-changing invitation. Those who participate in the kingdom of God out of our own abundance or out of our own lack, we know that all of it is supplied to us together by the Lord. That's the good news. So in this passage, Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44, the gospel accounts begins with the apostles returning back to Jesus with stories to tell of the things that they've seen, the way they've seen God at work in and among them. And I can imagine they're excited and they're tired and they're hungry and they're excited and they don't know what to do and Jesus caring for them says, let's get away and rest. Let's debrief about this. Let's pull you out of the activity that you've been in and let's talk about this so that I can care and guide you. And this didn't happen, right? Or this message, this sermon would be a lot shorter. It didn't happen. It's critical, it's a critical thing, I think, for us to pause there and see how Jesus invites his disciples into what's next. Because I think the invitation for your participation is based in the compassion of Jesus as well. The way that we can demonstrate compassion and mercy is founded in the compassion and mercy of Jesus. And he shows that right from the beginning, though it might be a little upside down. You see, we too come back from days excited and tired and hungry. I don't know what you spend the nine to five hours during the week doing, but maybe you're with children or you're a teacher or you're in front of a screen or you're doing something else and you see you, you've been given the opportunity to notice how God is at work in there and you might have enthusiasm or maybe you don't see value in what you do and you come back tired and hungry only. But in any event, many of us come home wanting what we call downtime. <laughs> we want to retreat. And the opportunity to extend compassion and mercy to our neighbors and our friends might feel like an imposition and that it wages war against our felt need for downtime. How we respond to that is very important. And that will depend on the situation. There isn't any one answer for any of those situations. But look what Jesus did. This is my point. Look what Jesus does. As he went ashore, it says in verse 34, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. 
So Jesus, who gave the invitation to get away and rest and debrief, sees people that are shepherdless. His desire to care for those without a shepherd is greater than his desire to do the thing that he had just said. Because Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who cares for all the sheep. And now you might be thinking Jesus isn't such a good shepherd to the apostles. That's what I usually think when I read this passage. But I want to ask us to dive deeper into and start with the assumption that Jesus is the good shepherd. And if he's the good shepherd, then what he does next is not merely caring for the shepherdless, but caring for the apostles as well. So there's something here for us to see about compassion and mercy for us as it is is extended through us. You follow? There's something for us to see about compassion and mercy as it's demonstrated for us and through us. It's a both and. See, what Jesus does not say to them, he doesn't say, suck it up, fellas, we got work to do. That's what a bad shepherd says. He doesn't say, if you really loved me, you'd overextend yourself to exhaustion for the sake of this mission. That's what a bad shepherd says. Contrary to popular church belief, I don't think that Jesus traffics in guilt and shame as the way to get things accomplished. Instead, I think that he invites disciples and through these disciples, us, to find the fullness of life, the fullness of life and a renewed in, renewed awe and wonder through participation with him. The invitation itself is good news, friends. The invitation is good news. Loving our neighbors is not always easy but it's always an opportunity to join in with God. And that's good news. You see, being with is the way of Jesus. He's Emmanuel. When Jesus says, you give them something to eat, it's not a dismissive rebuke, but a world-changing invitation. Those who participate in the kingdom of God can share from our own abundance or our lack knowing that all is supplied to all of us together through the Lord. So Jesus starts teaching, and his teaching, like some sermons tend to do, it runs long and people start getting anxious about lunch, particularly the disciples. They're honest about it. We didn't have an account of everyone else with the stomachs grumbling, complaining, but the disciples are honest about it. And they say, we've... we've, We've got to send these people away. I mean, what are we going to do? They're, they're hungry. We're hungry. We've got to let them go so that they can take care of what they need to take care of, take care of themselves. And Jesus astonishingly says, you give them something to eat. In the wilderness, you give them something to eat. How we respond to this question is an indicator of our imagination for how love of neighbor works. How we respond to this question demonstrates our imagination for how love of neighbor works. I think Jesus is being provocative, not dismissive. 
with this statement. He's encouraging you and me and the apostles and anyone in earshot of these words to consider how we imagine the needs of others being satisfied. What does compassion and mercy toward a neighbor look like? What kind of Christian imagination do we need, friends, to participate with God? Well, we need one that goes beyond hearing you give them something to eat as a challenge that we need to be dismissive of or a challenge that we need to justify why we can't participate. Jesus is inviting us into reconsidering how we live in this world, how the church might be a place of welcome and witness through our compassion and mercy. But the disciples haven't seen it fully yet. And maybe you haven't either. Maybe I haven't. So maybe we should discuss what these options are. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And then Jesus and the disciples discuss three possibilities, three effective ways for feeding the crowds, if you will. And there are three options here, and I, I name them separation, charity, and solidarity. Separation, this is not my problem, Jesus. Send the people on their way to go buy food for themselves. We're all a bunch of individuals who take care of ourselves. That is the way, right? And if you can't take care of yourself, you better find a way to take care of yourself. Separation. If you've read any part of the scripture, you probably know that's not going to be a good option for Jesus. Number two, charity. Charity, let's give them what we can. So the disciples' imagination is almost like questioning, should we just give them what we can? Are you asking us to provide 200 denarii of food? Now, the text doesn't say whether they had it or not. That's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't say that they couldn't do that. It just says that they're surprised that that's what they might need to do. That might be the imagination that Jesus has for them. So the disciples seem to think it's kind of a little much to ask in this situation for us to go and provide that. But charity is good. Charity, though, still feels like separation to me, if I'm honest. I'm not saying it's bad. I appreciate charity when I've had needs. But you know what really seems to look like a mark of the church? Better than charity is solidarity. Let's join in with these people in the wilderness. Let's come together and make do with what is available together. As they eat, we eat too. The scriptures say that if you, if you as the, the people of Israel are in Babylon in captivity in Jeremiah, says that you're to go there not looking for the end of this time, but go there and live your life. Plant gardens and build houses. Move in so that the welfare, the shalom, the universal flourishing, not just peace, but the universal peace of those people is so intimately tied to you that as they go, so you go. That's the theme of the scriptures, solidarity. What happens when compassion and mercy is extended not from our strength, not from our, this is what I can do, 
But what if compassion and mercy is extended out of our own shared need? Well, that gets scary. What, what if we're forced to make space for new possibilities as the power of God is demonstrated through us in our weakness? I think that sounds amazing. I'm not sure if that feels like it for you, but that is what Jesus is inviting us into. We need this. We need to move beyond what we're capable of doing because of the privilege that we have, because of the decisions we've made, because of the wisdom of this world that we've executed. Instead, we need to move into the new possibilities of sharing our vulnerability in solidarity with others and watching Jesus do something different. You see, compassion and mercy is extended in us and through us as we receive it ourselves. And the Good Shepherd does not send any of those away in need. Option one, off the table. While option two seems like it might be okay, Jesus chooses option three. And from five small loaves and two fish in the hands of Jesus, they're more than enough for all people to come around. Much like manna in the wilderness that's provided as need is had. Not more, not less, except for that one day when God says, you're going to have enough for the weekend so you can rest. You see, when, when there's more than enough together, because Jesus is at the center that's a demonstration of the kingdom of God. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. People looking to Jesus to fill their need rather than trying to fill needs and being Jesus themselves. All those who are hungry are fed. When Jesus is the one presiding over the meal, people go home with doggy bags. Because the good news is that being with People is the way of Jesus. He's Emmanuel with us. When Jesus says, you give them something to eat, it's not a dismissive rebuke, but a world-changing invitation. Those who participate in the kingdom of God share from our own abundance or out of our own lack, either one knowing that all of it is supplied together for us by the Lord. So I, I recently heard about this church, it might sound familiar because it's you, um, that cares, oh, provides a meal to people in need Fridays in West Philly, I believe that's still true, that a, a group of churches came together in that area because someone who was without a house and provision of meals um, died in the neighborhood. And the churches said, this is not the way that things ought to be. We can do something different. But in providing the meal, there's also a space created to be with others. And I think that's What's beautiful and remarkable about that story, it's not just come to the window and get a bowl of soup, but come and be with us. Similarly, but not necessarily um, the same, when we started our church, it's called The Table Philadelphia, so you might not see this coming, but we gathered round meals. We, we recognized a need in our neighborhood and that when we started in South Philly, that people were lonely and anonymous. If you live any time in the city, you can spend a day without a one person asking you anything about your story. 
You can get on the subway and no one looks at you or talks to you. You might never have the opportunity to even identify your name to someone because everyone's really busy. And, I, and we started to get this vision that the, the city of Philadelphia oftentimes feels like we're all alone together, crammed together in tight quarters, but no one knows one another. And one of the ways that we thought we could disrupt the anonymity of the city is to gather people around a meal and give them name tags. I know it's not rocket science here, but it's, it's amazing what happened, that by sharing a space and even inviting people into discussions about Jesus and, and singing songs together, we created something we called Dinner Church, which lasted two months and then the football season started. And as a good missiologist, I realized no one's coming to dinner when the Eagles are playing, including myself and my family. Um, so we made it Brunch Church, super innovative right there, right? But here's my point. My point is we weren't trying and we still do not try to create interesting gatherings that will attract people. We're trying to share out of our own need that we need to be known and seen and Jesus knows and sees us and we're gonna make space for other people to come in and join and be seen and known. And God has done something quite remarkable through those gatherings and creating multiple communities that gather in homes around this city. And we're grateful for that. So friends, how might we respond to the good news that compassion and mercy is given to us and extended through us out of our own need? Maybe we set some tables. Maybe we show up at tables that are set for us. But let's be with people. Charity is great, but solidarity is better. Consider we worship a triune God who took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus, the Jewish Messiah who welcomed those of us who were not part of the family of God into the family of God through him, Emmanuel, God with us, for us, and through the resurrection, now the God who makes his dwelling place within and among us by the Holy Spirit, we are the people of God. Jesus is the good shepherd. The shepherd who leads us to green pastures and besides still waters. The shepherd who walks with us through dark valleys and violent and impoverished cities. Powerful and powerless neighborhoods. The shepherd who sets a table in the desert, feeding more than 5,000 with less than five loaves. The shepherd who sets a table for us among our enemies of sin, death, and evil here today, we are invited to that table. We're invited to that feast, to participate in the care of others as an embodied way of caring for ourselves. See, compassion and, and mercy is a mark of the church because the church needs the compassion and mercy of Christ. What we look to extend to others, we greatly need ourselves. Compassion and mercy can be demonstrated in many ways, but I think, I think there is a particular way that is more Jesus-y, if you will, more clearly a mark of our churchness than other forms. And I would contend it's this being with people, sharing not out of our abundance, 
but out of our need for Jesus' provision together. In doing that, we humanize our compassion and we glorify God. I'll end with this, you see. We can send those in need away, but we don't have to do that. We can go and buy food for them, but we could move in even closer. We're invited to join in with those in need, finding that all of us find our needs met in Jesus. May this be so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the living embodiment of that word that we might understand what it looks like enfleshed. And God, might we respond as your body in fleshing that same word. May we be the demonstration of the kingdom of God. May we draw near to you and others, joining in solidarity with the needs of those around us, making space for you to provide those needs so that you might get all the glory. And we would be struck with awe and wonder at how you still care for and love us and all of us together. Would you do this, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.